welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 32 here in the Zen Room. We are in episode 70. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the pugnacious Tommy Gibbons. Hey, bitches. How are you, Tommy? Uh, I had a couple of good answers. And you lost them. And I lost them. They're gone already. Wow, that's pretty bad. It's going to be a long night. I guess so. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, I guess so. So, has life been good lately? You're hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm completely blanking. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. I don't, I don't, like, we may need to start over. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you could always just, what's the question? How are you? Oh. <laughs> oh. Very simple question. I'm okay, how are you? I, I'm doing good. Things are okay? Yeah, things are good. I'm having a nice fun? weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, we saw you this past weekend behind the bar at the Manor Studio Theater. Did I see you? Yes, you did. Oh. In fact, you, I believe you served us beverages. I must have. You must have. Did you have beverages? Yes, we did have did beverages. Did you buy them on site? Yes, we did. Then I served them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we saw the recent production of Panic on the Front Page by Claude right? Solnit. We were talking about this. Right? Yeah, right, it was a right. good good play, I thought. Very right. interesting idea and premise and everything. Yeah, it was cool. Well executed, a generally good cast, led by Evan Donnellan. Who does a great job, I think, as H.G. Wells. See, I call him Don... Um, what do you, Donnellan. Donnellan. I've heard it both ways. Evan Donnellan, Evan Donnellan. Donnellan sounds fancy. <laughs> he just got, like, recognized. He did? Yeah, some, some... I don't know if it's the city or the state, some Shakespeare thing. Oh, okay. And he was, like, hardest worker or most, like... Whatever it meant, what it was. Well, probably for the Shakespeare productions the he produces the, whatever during the summer. Yes, and the length of that time. And I was always amazed. He was able to keep 20, and he's, I think he still does, 20, 25 kids, sometimes 30 kids, and production after production after production of Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. Um, in native, you know, in the language. And yeah. however they dress it up or cuss it up, or whatever it was, it was always in the language. And um, Evan's a Shakespeare guy. He's, oh, definitely. He, he's like the Shakespeare guy. And he's good on stage. Yes, he is. I've he had the pleasure Orson of working Bell with him like on a stage. Motherfucker. So, yeah. yeah, he did a good job as well. Was, as so, yeah, he so, really did. So this random link comes up. I think Emily posted Emily must have posted because he was like, wait, I have... No, his response was, wait, I what? What is this? I had no idea about this. Okay. And he had won this award for being the most prodigious Shakespearean working... Oh, wow, movie. that's great. Yeah, it was, all, it was awesome. Ooh. It was also for him and for um, Carriage House. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. That's congratulations. I think them. it's amazing that they do it, that they that they get an audience for it. Yeah, it's, it's always an outdoor production. I forget what the name of the location is. It's the, the Vanderbilt The Vanderbilt Museum. Museum, yes. It's done in the outdoor... Outside area. It's a beautiful ground. It's an unbelievably beautiful spot in complete silence. You know, yeah. it's just a great spot. Yeah, you don't have to worry it's about cars driving by as uh, I, I'm, I'm, the I'm, show. It's just you know? this beautiful, the, the outdoor staircase. Yeah, and and yeah the, the, the setting is perfect for Shakespeare, Shakespeare productions. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, Vanderbilt Summer House on Long Island. Mm hmm. Which they turned into a planetarium. Most of us Long Island kids went there. Yes, did we there? did. I went there. Okay. I went there as a kid, definitely. But I've also gone on a tour of the museum itself. It's a great museum. It yeah, really I, I just, the spot is so beautiful. When it is. Stand, it's a gorgeous location. You stand in that courtyard and look at the water, and right? you're like, what the fuck matters? <laughs> it's just, it's just, look at this. It's just beautiful. That yeah. Spanish style of roofs. Yeah, and low right. And the thing and that romantical. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Uh, so where are we? Well, I guess I was about to go into our first segment, but then I realized before I wanted to, 
Before we went on the air tonight, I listened to Reverend Al Sharpton's eulogy for Tyree Nichols. Okay. I guess today was the funeral. It was. And Al Sharpton's come a long way since the days back in the 80s Tawana with the whole Brawley. Tawana Brawley scandal. And many people hated him for his role in that whole scandal. I'm not going to get into all that right now. But he spoke at, the, he gave the eulogy for Tyree Nichols today. It was really powerful and one of the because he referenced Martin Luther King and saying how this was because it occurred in Memphis and they were right. close to the Lorraine Motel which was where right. King was assassinated and he had this line this is a city where they took away the dreamer what about what happened to the dream yeah and yeah, I was like, yeah. that's a gr great freaking line. It just sums it up so well. You know, what happened to the dream? I, you know, I think Reverend Al Tawana Brawley, I think even if, see, the certain details of it escape me. It seems to me like he believed somebody who turned out to be a liar. Yeah. That she was, yes. And that she, he went to the mat for her the same way he has gone for everybody else all along the way, all along the time. And uh, Al Sharpton, I... I mean, the two attorneys involved in that, I think, were eventually disbarred because of their involvement in the, the statements that they were making right. during that whole thing. He didn't face that because he wasn't an attorney. Right. But he had a certain notoriety for a long time associated still. with Still. Still does. It still follows him. Sure. But like I said, I watched him give this eulogy today. I was like, wow, you've come a long way, you know, over 40 years now. How old is he? He's got to be 80. He's got to be in his 70s, 80s, maybe. He's up there, definitely. But yeah, so I wanted to bring that up. How shocked him. Yeah. So if you get a chance, they have the eulogy on YouTube. It's about a half an hour long, a little bit longer. He, like I said, he does he does justice to the eulogy and to Tyree Nichols. He to really the occasion. Does. Yep. It's such such a disgusting thing. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, yeah. And I guess it, because it involves five black police officers. So this is about the police culture. Right. This is what, what are they teaching these police and how they view the people in public that they're dealing with. It's not a race thing. And for people looking at signs, like, it's not a race thing. It's a police thing. Well, it's a and race thing, too, but... Well, it seems to be aimed primarily at people of color. You never hear of these kind of things or rarely happening to white people. You don't. know? So, exactly. So that's... It, like I said, they're going to need some major reform of the police culture. It's like, if not now, when? How many more young black men are going to have to die like this? And if you're looking for science, it's five black guys. Okay? They kicked the shit out of this black guy. So so it is not the black guys. No. It's, <laughs> it, it's, and, but I'll tell you what it is. It is strong enough that it takes the black guys and turns them against the black guys. Yeah. And that's one of the things Sharpton talks about in his eulogy. is like, you walking through the doors that others yeah, fought that. to open for you. I heard that. that was, and this that is was, what you do. That was beautiful. That was, yeah. yeah. I say like, it's quite a eulogy. So we'll now move on to our first segment. Oh my God, we haven't even gotten to the first segment yet? Nope. We're doing that now. Yes, and time for some heavy petting. Okay. Cool. Yes, and our first story is a kind of a bittersweet story, but it has a happy ending. It's about a dog named Lilo. It's a German Shepherd Great Pyrenees mix. And it was brought into this McKamey Animal Shelter in Chattanooga, Tennessee last week after someone found her wandering around a neighborhood with a leash on. They found a note attached to the collar from the previous owner. The note read, My name is Lilo. Please love me. My mom can't keep me and is homeless with two kids. She tried her best but can't get help. I cost too much for her. She really loves me and I'm a great dog and love to be loved on. Please don't abuse me. The note also asked not to change the dog's name. So the animal center staff wanted to try to find the owner so they basically shared her story on a Facebook post and eventually they were able to track down the owner. 
the original owner uh, Why? within like 24 hours. Why? To bring shame to this woman? No. So they could reunite the dog with the owner and also to provide services to them so that they can keep the dog. Because this center, they made a... They, they, first of all, they set up a fund in the dog's name to prevent as many families as possible from being separated from their pets. And they also noted that they have a pet pantry there that can lower the cost of caring for dogs right, for, you right, know, right, for people right. with you know no income or low income. And right, right now, the family is at a facility where pets aren't allowed. So I think they're trying to arrange somewhere for the family to go now so that they can still have the pet. Okay. So where were these services to begin with? What's that? Do these services, do they exist for the normal public or is this through a... A charity organization that happened to catch wind. Well, uh, it's, an, it's an they call the Mac the McCamey Animal Center. I'm assuming it's another not for profit like most of these. Most of them are really I really see a very for business a, a not you know a for profit. I don't know animal McCamey shelter like, like this. A, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But what's your problem with it? No, I, not I have no problem with it. Oh, sounds like you had a problem with it. I, no, I don't think I did. Okay. No. Okay. No, it just, it just seems like she was. Never mind. It's good. And, and so the dog and the family are reunited, and the search continues continues for a place where they can all live together as a family. Yes. Okay, so you'll keep us updated. I guess so. If I hear any more, I'll follow up on the story. Good story. I thought you'd like that. I, I enjoyed it thickly. <laughs> thickly. 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 <laughs> and now we move on to our canine compendium, our dictionary of dogs. What's the letter? The letter S. And I know you haven't heard of this one. It's a Samoan? Nope. Uh, it's an S. It's an S, yes. St. Bernard? Nope. Uh, it's something that I've never heard of. It's definitely something you've never heard of. Okay, what is it? It is the Sarloose Wolf Dog. Oh, I like wolf dogs. Here's a picture of it. Oh. That's the Sarloose Wolf Dog. Here's Sarloose? Another, here's another, oh, here's another picture. Look at that. Okay. Beautiful looking dog. That shit's picking up cable vision from Russia. Basically, this dog was bred in 1935 by a Dutch zoologist and dog breeder named Leendert Sarloose. And he believed that the German Shepherd had become too domesticated and he wanted to breed back the more natural properties in order to have a better working dog. So in 1935 he bred a male German Shepherd to a female Eurasian Grey Wolf from Siberia. He then bred the offspring back with other German Shepherds so that he would have a dog with one quarter wolf blood. But they, he found out that they weren't really much better as work dogs either. All right, so wait, what kind of work did he want the dog to do? I'm assuming, I don't know, what would German Shepherds do? German Shepherds could do anything. They could herd sheep. They could they Probably could that type of work. shit in, in, in uh, Penn Station. They, <laughs> they'd find dead bodies under the water. They'd climb with you up shit. They'd dig, uh, whatever. I mean, it's a dog. Yeah. I'm what do you want it to do? I got rats. What do you want me to do? I'll go get that thing you shoot out the sky, bring it back to you. Well, anyway, they found that this dog was... No a, puncture was, holes. By the way, that's all you did that. That's all your buckshot. Yes. Now, I, my teeth didn't pinch that bird. Here it is. <laughs> what? What do German shepherds do? All that. They shepherd. <laughs> that's right. It's a sheep herd. Yes. Yes, it's a herd. Hence the name. It could also be a watchdog. It could also be a guard dog. It yes. Could also be but I'm assuming he wanted it for, dog. as he, it's a, it's a working dog, so I'm assuming. You would think, but 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 a German Shepherd works when it is a police dog and when it's attacking you and when it's uh, whipped up by, when it's you know, used by an oppressor against an oppressed people. They send German Shepherds and Rottweils, what, rot, Rottweilers <laughs> out. Wattweilers? Wattweilers. <laughs> German Shepherds and Wattweilers. 
Anyway, the Sarloose Wolf Dog is 26 to 30 inches high and weighs up to 100 pounds. It has an athletic build with a strong and muscular body. It moves lightly on its feet and has an elegant march. It has a short, dense coat, which provides good uh, protection against the weather. It comes in generally three colors, wolf gray, red, and white. But they also said that this breed needs to be thoroughly socialized before its 12th week of age to ensure pro-social behavior. Okay, so... He also the wolf blood, obviously. Who has these dogs? Where are they? I'm assuming they have them primarily over in Europe. I'm assuming they may have them here as well. Are they house pets? Um, yeah, I think they're used primarily now as house pets. They're not used for work dogs or anything of that nature now. But that dog scared the shit out of you. Right? Yeah. Even that, that face. It's a beautiful... And he's like, smiling. Face. And I'm still like... Right? But that, whole, that long snout, it's like... Damn. Yeah. And those ears, like I said, take a radar. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> so that's it for heavy petting. We now move on to our next segment. Marching right Happy along. birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for the birthdays for today. Okay, who are they? And one birthday for today. Only one. And he's dead. Oh, good. He was born in South Philly on February 1st, 1938. He dropped out of school after 10th grade and joined the Air Force for four years, after which he worked for the U.S. Post Office by day and attacked and attended acting school at night. Can I ask a question? Yes. He dropped out of high school. Yes. He dropped out of high school? He dropped out of school after 10th grade. After 10th grade. So that's about 16 years old. 16. 15 to 16 years old. And he enrolled right... uh, Into the Air Force. Into the Air Force. Yep. They take a 16-year-old. Don't forget, well, yeah, that would be like 1954 we're talking about. Okay. I'm just trying to set a pattern. Is this guy a liar? Like, did he lie to get in? I don't know. That that information was not available. It's interesting, though, because it puts a question in your head. Yes, it does. Can you then believe anything that he does after that initial (laughs) lie? We'll get to that. Let me continue talking about him. Okay. Uh, in 1970, he got a supporting role in the Broadway musical Pearly. He was then offered Nobody a... does Pearly. No. It's, I mean, I've never heard of anyone doing Pearly because yeah. it's primarily an all-black musical. And yeah. On Long Island, you're very fortunate if you can get an all-black cast for shows. That's true. But this actor was offered the role of George Jefferson in 1973 by Norman... Ma- uh, oh, what the hell is his name? I can't think of his Lear. name. Norman Lear, thank you. Which he played on All in the Family from 1973 to 75, and then on the Jeffersons from 1975 to 1985. It's not Lionel, is it? Nope. Okay. I said it's the role of George Jefferson. That's Sherman Hemsley. That's Sherman Hemsley. Yes, very good. See what happens when you listen to me? No, yeah, okay. (laughs) He was nominated for both an Emmy Award and a Golden Globe Award for his uh, time playing the role. Where he died? He died some years ago. Today's his birthday. Today's his birthday. He's dead. Yes. And we're talking about... Okay, go ahead. Now I'm with you. He then played Deacon... I loved him. He also played Deacon Fry on the NBC series Amen from 1986 to 1991. Do you have an image that pops up when you think of him? If you think of him, is there an image that... that Well, because of Jefferson's all the family, you automatically think George Jefferson. A single image. Yeah. No, do you have a single image? No. I'll tell you, for example... In like the, an iconic image? No. In this song, okay. the, the opening credits to the Jeffersons. Yes. Which is, I'm resisting myself right now very, very hard. Yeah. 
Okay. At to one point, you see him walking into the building. Yes. And you see him from the back end, and she's all a flutter, and he's got his hand swinging behind him as he walks, or leaning back, and he struts himself into into this hotel, into this apartment building. That walk. It would be like a gif. Okay. The, the, like a short repeating of just him walking. And he walking, leaning back, and he, yeah, I loved him. I loved him. He was awesome. Well, he was also a very shy and intensely private man, some, described by some as being reclusive. He avoided the Hollywood limelight, and little of his personal life was public knowledge beyond the facts that he was never married and had no children. Oh, no. He died at his home in El Paso, Texas at age 74. At that time, he had been sharing a home for the past 20 years with his quote-unquote friend, Kenny Johnston, age 76. So it's pretty much assumed, yeah, he was gay. Okay, sure. Man. Supposedly that also may have caused problems between him and Isabel Sanford. Why? Uh, Does she want him? I, I, no, I don't know. Maybe she, I guess she didn't approve of him being gay or whatever. I don't know. We're going to need to investigate that. We'll have to look into that first. Or do you even want to know? I'm, I, I'll let you I mean, live we're talking about Wheezy. Like, do we want to go digging up shit on Wheezy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... Maybe someone can let us know. You have any dirt on Isabel Sanford? No. <laughs> Contact us, a grumpy old gay man and their dogs. I don't think so, dude. <laughs> well, you know what? He was how old? How old was he? He was, um, how old was he? I think 74 at the time of his death. And he died in El Paso with his boyfriend. So yes. good for him. Yep, good for him. Ain't nobody's business. The Sherman Helmsley. If I do. The Sherman Hemsley, we say... Happy birthday, Sherman. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. Yep. And made more so by the fact that I can't think of him in anything else. (laughs) Like, I don't know that he's... Did he do anything else? Like, where else was he? Well, he was on the NBC series Amen. Right, okay. But there were no movies, there were no... Oh, I mean, he did other television appearances and stuff, under the film appearances. None that I can can recall off the top of my head. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Because he's best known as George Jefferson, Jefferson, you know? There are worse things to be remembered for. I'm sure he didn't mind. It was a rewarding role for him. Imagine pitching that today. Imagine pitching All in the Family today. That's what you'd have to, because he doesn't mean anything without All in the Family. Yeah, that's where it all starts from. And yeah, All in the Family could not be made today. Could not. It's it's makes me so weirded out that that was, like, I don't know. Even the show Maud, which was fairly liberal in its outlook, even though it made fun of liberals, too. She had an abortion. She had an abortion on the show. You couldn't make that, couldn't do that On today. the show. Feet yeah. in stirrups. She had an abortion. It wasn't quite that The lead graphic. character of a prime We did not see the author with her legs up in stirrups. Uh, thank God for that. Because... What could be wrong? Never mind. Never mind. Let's move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time once again for Bring Out Your Dead. And we've got a handful today. Yeah, it's a busy week. You might, I don't know if you know this man's name. Its name is Barrett Strong, but you might know the 1959 song he recorded. I might. Yeah, yeah. The best things in life are free, oh, but you can't. 
version. I don't think he wrote it. I, th I know Barry Gordy had a hand in writing it, but I don't. I don't know if he had a hand. But in that was the that. initial release of the recording. But that of was that the song. initial recording of that song. It was in 1959. Amazing. And it was later recorded by the Beatles and the Rolling Stones recorded it. There's a group called the Flying Lizards that did a recording of it back I in the know 80s. I the Flying Lizards. That's the 80s. Are they? Are, were they the acapella group? No, they were a new wave group. Okay, but Barrett Strong, he in the mid 60s, he became a lyricist for Motown Records, and he teamed with uh, producer Norman Whitfield. And among the songs that they wrote together were "I Heard It Through the Grapevine" by Marvin Gaye and nice. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Nice. War by Edwin Starr. I don't know. A Marvin Gaye song called "Wherever I Lay My Hat." That's my home. He also uh, co-wrote the song Smiling Faces Sometimes by The Undisputed Truth. Great song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he also wrote quite a lot of songs for The Temptations, including Cloud Nine, I Can't Get Next to You, Ball of Confusion, which I love that song, and <clears throat> Papa Was a Rolling Stone, for which Barrett Strong received the Grammy Award in 1973 for Best R&B Song. Good for him. Right? He died? He died at his home in the La Jolla district of San Diego, California, nice at age there. 81 on January 28th. Oh, good for him. Right? Out yeah. there in California, probably on a cliff. Was he on a cliff? I don't know. What were we using, like, Well, woods. San Diego. I don't know if there's any cliffs in San, San Diego. Diego. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty. So I think it's down south. Yes, it California. is in Southern is it, California. Is it coastal? Yes, it is coastal. So then he could have been on a cliff. Maybe we'll never know. Now. No, but that's good for him because that song you didn't even mention. That's what I want. You know, great lyricist. That's what I want. 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 That's what he said. Oh my god! That's what he wants. We now move on to our next deceased celebrity. Her name is Lisa Loring. Oh, she was the girl from the thing. She yes, was, the girl from the thing. That now yeah. that's, that's the Wednesday thing. She was the original Wednesday Adams on the. Uh, Adam's Family television sitcom from 1964 to 1966. So I think you've been watching Wednesday, or you are aware of this t of the TV show Wednesday, the Netflix, the, the Wednesday. Yes. Okay. You watched it. Yes. Okay. So evidently, well, I came across it on TikTok, where, and she made an appearance in that. Well, no, she they she Wednesday does a dance. Yeah. Well, that's from the original series. No. Oh, you mean the new dance and the new the series. new dance okay. and the new thing? And what I'm saying is that dance that she does with Lurch is the Wednesday dance. Well, that's the, but that's from the original series. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, that that's her. the original series. That was her. That was this girl. That was just that was Lisa person. Lauren. Yes. Right. That that should be the Wednesday dance. That is the that is the Wednesday dance. Whatever comes after, unless it's that, it ain't the Wednesday dance. Exactly. It's just another dance for Wednesday to do. Yeah. You tell them. I'm saying respect. Anyway, from 1980 to 1983, Loring played the character Cricket Montgomery on the CBS soap opera As the World Turns. Uh-oh. What kind of character was Cricket? I have no idea. I didn't watch As the World Turns. All right. I generally watched All My Children in Another World. Her name was Cricket. Cricket. On a soap opera. Loring was first married at age 15 and had a daughter and was divorced a year later. Her second marriage... Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, okay, so now suddenly I'm a little more interested. Go back. <laughs> what is her name? 
Lisa Lori. Lisa Lori, who was the original Wednesday on the thing. Okay. Yes. So that's okay. So she was she was a baby. She was literally a baby. Yes, she was. She, in 1964, she would have been what six years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was okay. So then, at 15, she gets married. Yep. Age Where 15. is she from? I don't have that information. Who raised her? I don't have that information. She gets married at 15. She has a baby. She gets divorced at 16. A year later, yeah. Say 17. So I would assume that she was probably pregnant when she was married. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I would assume that. She then uh, got married again in 1981, which ended in 1983. Oh, dear. She then, in 1987, married an adult film actor. They had met on the set of a film called Tracy's Big Trick, on which Lorraine worked as a makeup artist and uncredited writer. Oh, she couldn't even get the fluffer position. <laughs> that marriage ended, of course, and then she had her fourth marriage in 2003. Well, she has a track record. She got divorced from her fourth marriage in 2014. So, yeah, she's 0 for 4 on marriages. How seems. old was she when she died? She died at the age of 64 from a stroke caused by smoking and hypertension on January 28th. We now move on to our third deceased celebrity. Her first hit film was 1973's American Graffiti, where she played the girlfriend of Ron Howard. Oh, God. In 1975, she appeared on the TV series Happy Days, playing the character of Shirley Feeney. And she was much more uh, street girl. Yeah, both both characters were. They were both rougher and tougher. They were meant to be rougher, right? Right? right, right. And then she, of course, starred with Penny Marshall yeah. in the series Laverne and Sh- Shirley from 1976 to 82. That's another absolutely iconic image. Yeah. Is those two girls. Yep. Crazy. Going down the street. Shlemiel, Shlemazel, yeah. Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. They were fun. It was like a variety show. They had these two guys. They were, you know... They they were physical comedians. Holy shit, they were physical comedians. Oh, God, Penny yes, Marshall, right? They did so much physical uh, comedy yeah, on the show. Yeah, and the, the two guys who... It was just a fun, stupid, innocent... The only one I didn't like on the show was Shirley's boyfriend, Carmine. Oh, Carmine was the hot. Big, oh, the I didn't like him. He was about? annoying. Carmine. Whenever they had him singing, it's just like, shut up. Yeah, he was a showbiz guy. I loved Lenny and Squiggy. Everybody loved Lenny and Squiggy. You had to love Lenny and Squiggy. That's why they were there. And they were the perfect foil for those two girls. Right? They really were. Hello. Yeah. And it followed very much that, like, by now, by the time it got to them, uh, he, it had, the sitcom format is becoming so, like... Oh, yeah, it was, like, the yeah. formula for the 70s, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, you know, and Gary Marshall was, like, the king of these he by was, then. He had he so was. many, between him and Norman Lear in the 70s. Yeah. You know, they and had a lot, lot of them. A lot of them were, like I said, iconic. Two of them here: Shirley Feeney, yeah, Laverne Shirley, character, Happy Days, and the Farms, Sherman Hemsley, the Jeffersons, the Jeffersons. That's another iconic character. I think Archie uh, Bunker, all the family. We should know, but we're talking about people who died today. Ah, people who died today. Okay, I didn't. Are know. we? I didn't. I, I, you're, you're. I'm just following your runaway train of thought. Okay, so give me a second, and I'll steer <laughs> it back. What topic are we in? We are in the middle of Bring Out Your Dead. Bring Out Your Dead. Didn't yes. those two people? People die this week. Shirley Feeney and George Jefferson. No. Bring out your dead. No, George <laughs> Sherman Hemsley died in 2012. Oh. Cindy Williams died on January 25th of this year. Right. That was like yesterday. Well, actually, six like weeks ago. Six, yeah, about a week ago. The last time we recorded a podcast. She died that But night. we didn't know that she died at that time. Our news department really needs a good talking to <laughs> So he talked to my producer. I don't talk to him. <laughs> Can we move on to our next segment then? 
Yes, it's time once again for Today in History! Or Patsy and the Coconut. And in case you weren't aware, February is Black History Month. Welcome from your co Who's not aware? <laughs> You'd be surprised who's not aware. I would, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but okay. All right. Today also marks when Abraham Lincoln signed the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which ended slavery. Is that February 1st? Yep. Every year? Yep, that's today. It's well, Freedom Day, National Freedom Day. Okay. But also today, on February 1st in 1960, four uh, young black students from the North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University sat at a Woolworths lunch counter in Greensboro, North uh, Carolina, where they asked for a cup of coffee and a donut with cream on the side. They were refused service and told to go sit in the segregated section, and they refused. And they stayed in, in the store until the store closed that evening. The store did not call the police at that time. The next day, they came back with over 20 more black students. Uh -oh. The day after that, they showed up with 60. The day after that, they showed up with over 300. Oh my God. The protest continued through the summer and spread to other southern cities. Wow. Finally, in July of 1960, the Greensboro Woolworth relented and ended the uh, segregated lunch counter. But it took the 1964 Civil Rights Act to, to end segregation in the country. 1964. Yep. But th yeah, but this happened, this, this first sit-in occurred in 1960. Okay, so, so where do you figure the end of Jim Crow is? Is it this? It's during this time. It's during this time when they still had the literacy tests and th those kind of things, the poll tax... That was all part of Jim Crow and trying to suppress black voting. Among other things. Yeah. Yes. But no. that's that's eventually eradicated during this era. Has it been? That's what I'm, my There are no more poll taxes. There are no more well, literary, no, my, literary, well, uh, literacy that's, tests. That's true. That's all true. They are the sneaky ways to do it. They redraw the maps. Yeah, they get the wrong judges sitting in town court. Yep. What does it come down to, Patrick? What do you mean? Vote. Yeah, of course it means to vote. Which brings me to another story that happened today in 1965. I couldn't hate myself more. Martin Luther King and Bayard Rustin got arrested uh, during a campaign to register black voters in the city of Selma, Alabama. That happened on February 1st? It happened on February 1st. It was part of a campaign that started in January of that year. All of these things that you're mentioning that I have been blabbering on, I mean, talking about for the last couple of minutes, yes. all happened on this day. Yes. Are we doing Patsy and the Coconuts? So, yes, it's okay. It's today in history. So now, I have heard... Uh, ah, Stephen, Stephen's here. Hello, Stephen. Hello. I have heard... Come sit. You want to hit, sit and hang out with the rest of us and talk? What, what else How are you going to do? Well, we got a few more segments till your segment comes up. <coughs> okay. Coward. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying, Thomas... Can I comment? I'm taking... Ooh. Um, Stephen brought in chocolate chip cookies provided by Tommy. <laughs> What were we talking about? Uh, well, I brought the account in 1965 when Martin Luther King and Bayard Rustin were arrested. Okay, so all of these things happened on this day. I have heard people say that a half-joking matter, not half-joking matter, the irony of uh, Black History Month being the shortest month of the year. Okay. Uh, my thinking after hearing you blabber talking about these things is like what other day are you gonna start it on like if all of this truly happened like yes it did on february 1st and on february 1st in different years yes but all february 1st yes okay i don't believe in like signs and shit okay but if you were to pick a day to me this is this is a good can this is one of the top two <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? But it just shows the, how long it took with the civil rights movement in this country. Uh, the whole thing is disgusting. That what these I'm saying, battles were still going on. What other day would you pick? What the, you're going to begin black history. You got uh, February 1st is a good place to start. And then we'll just do the whole month. Well, what was going on when King and Rustin were arrested, they were trying to get black voters uh, registered. And first they were just breaking up the lines. And then I guess a court ordered that you have to at least register 100 blacks per day. And they would make them go through the back entrance. They would purposely slow down the line. So maybe you would get like, one black person in like every hour or so to I register, yeah, yeah. things like that. So then they tried to redirect them, I guess, to the, to the courthouse where people were going to register. And King was like, no, we're going to the front door or whatever. And they got arrested. At the same time, 700 demonstrators at another location got arrested for protesting uh, the suppression of, of black registration. It turned into a big thing that day. Okay, it's a big day. But then it was superseded by the murder of this uh, young black man named Jimmy Jackson during one of these protests. And that led to the mar- the first march from Selma to Montgomery. So, that didn't go well. No, no, it didn't. But yeah, but you can see how this all, it's, like a, it's a continuous history, you know? All right, it's all February 1st. Yes. Good day. Yep. But here's a more, I guess, brighter event that happened today. This film was released today in 1980. Let's see if you can guess from this song what film it is. Yes, it's Blondie. What movie is it from? I know you're enjoying the song, but you have an answer yet? <laughs> oh. No! <laughs> no. Can't believe it. The film directed by Paul Schrader, starring Richard Gere and Lauren Hutton. Oh, um... The film that put Giorgio Armani on the Hollywood map. Oh, yeah, of course I would know that reference. Uh, he, he, he played a male prostitute. American oh, American Gigolo. American Gigolo. Have you seen American Gigolo? No. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's Richard Gere and... Tight pants with a cock hanging down. The yes, he, actually, you do see him full frontal nude in one scene. No, Richard Gere? Yeah. Richard Gere, yes. He was a gorgeous man. Oh, he was, he was, oh my God. He was like 30, 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He was just yummy back then. And it established Gere as a leading man from then on in films. Yeah, it did. And the score was nominated for a Golden Globe, which was composed by Giorgio Moroder, who co-wrote the song we just heard, Call Me, with Blondie. Oh, which became the highest-selling single of 1980 in the U.S. Yeah, it did. It was also nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or group, group with Vocal. And both Debbie Harry and Marauder shared a nomination for the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song. Yeah, and it played until 1988. <laughs> it was just in heavy rotation forever. It was a great song. It was a great song. Great song, great group. And it, it was appropriate everywhere, so... 
So thank you, American Gigolo. Thanks. Not Bobby. a great, not a great movie, actually. No, I'm, I thought this was all. It's about more, the song. it's more style than substance. The movie, it really is. I thought it was supposed to be like a joke, but then I was like, "Holy shit, did you see him?" Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, like, no, that was the reaction. No, he plays this male prostitute, a uh, high, high class, and he hooks up with this politician's wife, who starts falling for him. At the same time, he's being framed for a murder. Uh oh. Yeah, it's. It's not the greatest film I've seen, but hey, I got to see Richard Gere naked. I was happy back then. All right. 18 years old. Should I be happy to see Richard Gere naked now? <laughs> right. And now we move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I've got to say. Yes, it's time for What Day Is It? Okay. And today is... Yeah. What? Are you going to guess? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going to guess. What are your guesses? All right. So all I know is that I want these three guesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there you go. And I, I'm not prepared necessarily. What day is it? Today is the International Paintbrush Association Day. No. <laughs> National Duck Awareness Day. No. Although I like that one. <laughs> um, uh, it is the national... Uh, not national. No, this is this would be international. The international uh, day of the burrito. <laughs> no, not quite. You were so close, though. First, today is Imbolc. You have a blank expression, even though you're chewing. You've never heard of Imbolc? I, uh, I don't know if I'm Imbolc. Imbolc is a traditional Gaelic festival that celebrates the beginning of spring. As it it falls. sounds like something you do right before you vomit, like that's the moment. <laughs> That last inhale before you before you vomit. That's what. What's the word? Imbolc. Yeah, I'm right. It falls about halfway Imbolc. between the winter solstice and spring equinox. What is it? What is it? It's a Gaelic festival that celebrates the beginning of spring. Okay. It was celebrated by the Gaels and Celts. It's now celebrated by Wiccans and pagans. All right. Why is that? Why is what? Why don't the Celts do it no more? Well, there really aren't any Celts and Gaels around now. Those were the original tribes back then. So now it's just Irish people? Now it's just Irish people. <laughs> All right, so what do they do about it? Well, nowadays, because of the Christianization of the culture uh-huh. back then, the day became known as St. Bridget's Day. Well, who's Bridget? St. Bridget is the matron saint of Ireland. Okay. She is considered a patroness of healers, poets, blacksmiths, livestock, dairy workers, and the arrival of spring. Okay. She shares attributes Sounds with Sounds like the, a big job. Yes. She shares attributes with the pagan goddess, also named Bridget. Okay. And what was her job? Same. The same. Yep. All right. So they just, they just what, slap a, slap a uh, habit onto Bridget and call her Bridget? <laughs> they call her Saint Bridget. Okay. Same same woman. Yes. Same thing. Pretty much, yeah. Right. Same story. Yeah, pretty much. Origin story, all the same. I don't know about all that. Well, well what well, it matters, like, it. They, they solve the same mysteries, they heal the same things, you pray for them for the same reasons, it's just that we just... Well, and it made it easier to convert people to Christianity. Of course it did, because you they co-opted knew the story. their holiday and right. made it your holiday. Like, that's exactly right. But now look at her, see, she was white, and this is how we do it on this day. Okay. Yeah, I get you. Same story is the same because it worked. You don't reinvent the wheel. The same Bridget story did what it needed to do, or they wouldn't have bothered to copy it. Yes. Anyway, today is also, it's a dessert day. Dessert. Strawberry mousse. Nope. A vanilla pudding. Nope. A thick cake. Nope. (laughs) 
thick cake day. <laughs> it's not just cake, it's thick. It's, it's National thick, thick Cake Day. <laughs> Today is National Bait Alaska Day. Oh, I never had it. Never had, neither have I. Never had Baked Alaska? Nope, neither have I. For those who don't know, it's a dessert consisting of ice cream and cake topped with brown meringue. It's made of ice cream placed in a pie dish, lined with slices of sponge cake, and topped with meringue. It's then placed in an extremely hot oven for a brief time, long enough to firm and caramelize the meringue, but not long enough to begin melting the ice cream. Okay. The name Baked Alaska was coined in 1876 at Delmonico's, a restaurant in New York City, to honor the acquisition of Alaska... From the Russian Empire by the U.S. in March of 1867. The dish was also known, known as a Norwegian omelet. Ew. There's also a variation called Bomb Alaska, in which you pour dark rum uh, to be splashed over it, and then it's flambéed while being served. See, I don't like meringue. No? No. The good thing about, like, a lemon meringue pie yeah. is that meringue, by its nature, is easy to separate from the lemon pudding, making the rest of the pie. Right. So you can just, like, sort of slice off, or just with a fork or your spoon, just sort of lift off the meringue. A little bit was left on the crust, maybe, but you can get rid of the meringue. Yeah. So... Uh, but because I'm not a meringue, I don't like meringue. I, I'm okay, not you're, I don't you're like allowed. It. I don't like it. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems yummy, but, uh, you know, I can have that, uh, you know, I don't need that. There's so many, like... <laughs> you're really should, having a problem with this. Should be, like, well, I'm, okay, so you have to let the the meringue caramelize, yes. but not enough to make the ice cream melt. melt. So, how long does it... Now, i got to do math. How long does it take for the caramelization of the meringue? It can't be very long. It can't how be very long. You're it? putting it in a very hot oven. You're basically sticking it in okay, so, so, and so, pulling it out. Yeah, you wish. You, can <laughs> you wish you can remember. What I'm talking about... Is like the ice cream. Okay. How much do I defrost it before I put it in a That's what I'm saying. Should it be hard as a rock because the oven's hot as fuck? Or should it be like almost like melted because meringue is going to caramelize in a fucking should we, should we second? Call, should we call the chef in here and ask him? No. Does he? I don't know if he's ever made baked Alaska. No. No? <laughs> you sure? No. Now? Because he'll tell us. Oh, okay. And I really don't care. It's just... Uh, I'll, we'll ask him when he comes in for the like, for the other segment later. Yeah, it's just I'm flying by my ass these moments. <laughs> yes, whatever, you, that's whatever, a nice way of putting it. Whatever happens. <laughs> flying by my ass. We now move on to our You're next... starting to look like sort of... American founding fatherish with your hair. Yes, my hair is quite l- longish, and and it curls at the back. It does. Like yeah, my hair swoops. gets very incredibly wavy when it's long like this. And on your your it's sort of profile, very unmanageable. Go profile. Yes. To me, go go profile. Yeah. See now it's got those three waves, so it looks like the wig that everybody gets to play Ben Franklin. <laughs> no, he was bald. Or John Adams or whoever it was those American. Yeah. That's exactly what you look like. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I feel so much better you now. You should be on like a bill. Because <laughs> you got the same... A playbill or a dollar bill? No, no, no like, a, like a quarter. A oh, quarter, Relax yourself. <laughs> dollar bill. We now turn on to our next segment. Turn your head and core. <coughs> and we've got two stories under this segment okay. tonight. The first one is about 
gas stoves. I don't want to talk about this. It's, I, because I keep seeing it in the news, and I was like, what's the story about gas stoves? It's the stupidest thing in the world. Yes, it is, but I had to track it down, because it's actually health-related news, and I'll explain why. And you are a conscientious reporter. So yes, I am. So you're going to get that information. Follow-up questions are on your fucking own. But, uh, okay, I'm going to bring you the headlines. Okay. So on January 9th... I hate this story. Richard Trumka Jr., a member of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, said in an interview that natural gas stoves are a, quote, hidden hazard, and suggested that unsafe products might be banned. He later walked back that statement, and the Consumer Product Safety Commission chair, he came out with a statement saying um, that, you know, the commission is looking for ways to reduce related indoor air quality hazards. But to be clear, we are not looking to ban gas stoves, and there's no proceeding to do so. But of course, our Wait, wonderful news on. media... Stop for a sec, because this is going to come in chunks. Okay. So this kid says this thing. Yep. And from representing the organization whose existence is based on doing what this kid said he was that they he were was doing. a member of the commission. He's only one member. What was the what was the name of the commission? The Consumer Product Safety Commission. So their whole their whole thing is about the safety of the consumer product. Yes. Okay. So he comes up and says, I don't know some of the stuff we may have to check out, and they say, Whoa. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like that's the job of where. Well, he implied that they were going to ban gas stoves. That's what happened. Okay. And so the next day, the chair of the commission had to walk that back and say, no, that's we have no plan to do anything like that. Don't even think that. Okay. But just so people know, there are studies going back to the 1980s that show that unvented natural gas stoves can cause indoor air pollution harmful to young lungs. Gas stoves, which are used in more than 40 million U.S. homes, according to the uh, 2022 study, emit air pollutants like methane and nitrogen oxides that can cause respiratory diseases. Also, there have been climate change concerns about trying to put in new gas lines. So that's what's going, that's the state of things with gas stoves. But no one is trying to ban gas stoves. Yes, there are health hazards related to the use of gas stoves, as I just outlined. But there are no plans by anyone to ban gas stoves. Which is a shame, because on your way in to get the guns, you just add two extra guys to the team. Like, make it a four-person team. Two of them go and get all the guns, and the other two will get rid of the stove. Take it out with us. So we get, we're going to come and we're going to get your guns, we're going to get your stove. <laughs> Okay, we just I, I I just want to know how many guys I got to schedule on each. You'll day. take my gas stove over my dead right. body. Okay, so so <laughs> we're, we're gonna come get your guns. We're gonna come get your stoves. I'm figuring four guys and a driver, so I could get away with a little bit. Of, uh, what the fuck, please, you stupid. That's why I wanted to tell the story. First so of all, everybody knows gas stoves are far superior. The only thing better is like a barbecue outside. Of course. Okay, and then. You get to your rocks in a circle and your sticks. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't like electric cooking. I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay. I I use it. Okay. Me too. Been, it's uh yeah I don't like it. Okay. But I I'm still alive because I've been eating it. So <laughs> what the fuck. It's just such a stupid thing. Who's gonna be in your fucking? St- no one's banning gas stoves. It's just yeah. But this is just the media taking one little statement and blowing it. Totally out of proportion. Hey, look over there. Hey, look over there. And of course, there's something else that the conservatives say, Biden's going to take away your gas stoves. (laughs) 
Okay. Fucking idiots. Meet you at Walmart. We'll pick out a nice range for you. Our next story concerns Ozempic. Oh. Ozempic, for those of you who don't know, is a type 2 diabetes medication. And it's been in short supply for months because people who aren't diabetic are seeking the drug for weight loss. In fact, this news team investigated and found more than a dozen telehealth websites advertising Ozempic for weight loss, including that one that, that, that people could request an online prescription with same-day prescriptions available. It says people who need help treating obesity should talk to their doctor about weight loss drugs such as Wegovi, because both that and Ozembic contain this ingredient called semaglutide, which was approved by the Food and Drug Administration, for weight loss in people with obesity or weight-related health problems. But it's not a short-term drug treatment, it's a long-term one that can last for years. But what the medication does, it basically slows down the stomach emptying, so people are satisfied with smaller portions and feel less hungry. But common side effects include nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, stomach pain, gastrointestinal issues. Possible serious side effects include pancreatitis, gallbladder problems, kidney problems, and increased heart rate. That's all from this one ingredient that's in both Ozempic and this other drug, Wigovi. All right, so what are the other ingredients? I don't know. I'm just reporting on this. This is what I'm saying. But, you know, basically the bottom line is you shouldn't be using a drug designed for diabetes for weight loss. Because it's going to affect your pancreas. Among other things, possibly. It can okay. cause other health problems, too, you okay. know? It's a bad thing, you know? I heard something about Ozempic that there's this thing where if you stop, you gain all the weight back and it's worse. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> they found that out with the uh, Wigovi, this other drug, that people who stopped using it gained the weight back, or at least most of it back. Do you know that somewhere in corporate America, there must be at least 100 rooms, offices, filled with people gathered together to name pharmaceuticals? I don't know why that sticks in my head. I don't know why either. Because the words are so ridiculous. Yes, it is. They have to make up words. They all have Z's and W's and, and like weird letter They met on the kiss camp. And uh, what? What happened? No, nothing. You know, well, you know the theme song for the Ozempic commercials, oh, right? Oh, oh, Ozempic. Well, I'm here to remind people that that song was originally called Magic, performed by a group called Pilot, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Cause diarrhea, pancreatitis, vomiting, and death. Consult your Yes, that's the original 1974 song, Magic. I remember that. <laughs> right? I was 12 years I old when that song came out. Not good memories. Just well, wanted to remind people about that. Abstract feelings. Steven, we're ready for you! Oh, Jesus. We now move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. Let's look into my briefs. Because the two of us aren't annoying enough. Aging me! I brought in Steven for this segment, which we'll hear in a segment. We're going to be talking about the whole Alec Baldwin uh, manslaughter charges that were just recently brought. They, They charged him. They charged him as a producer on the set and as an actor. Now, I haven't pulled because he had the gun. Right, right, right. right. 
I haven't uh, really. Uh, it's been in the news. Yes. I've seen it happening. I haven't really paid any attention to it except, oh, really? Wow. We're, so now I'm thinking, well, how do we feel about that? Well, for those who don't know, what happened? Alex Baldwin's a producer of a movie. Alec. And he's in the movie. Alec, Alec Baldwin. And he's in the movie as well. And at one point, I guess the gun handler gave him a gun. He asked the gun handler, was it safe to use? Meaning, was it not loaded? He was he told. Didn't, he didn't ask anything. The gun handler said cold gun. Cold gun. Okay. Which means there's no live ammunition in it. So tell me what you know about this. And then supposedly he pulled back, from what I, the recent news story I read is that he pulled back the hammer on the gun. Not the tree, he didn't pull the trigger, but he pulled back the hammer on it. And somehow that got released, and that's when a bullet came out of the gun. That got released because he either didn't pull the hammer back far enough, or he pulled the trigger. Well, if the hammer's pulled back, then the hammer's pulled back. A slight wind can pull that, can activate that trigger. So you don't have to use your, can it snap back but your thumb? No, it locks in place. It locks in place. The only For those of you who don't know why my husband here, my husband is a gun owner. And he is well versed in the use and handling and care and of safety of guns. guns and he has, yes, he has also <laughs> been a gun handler for various stage productions here on Long Island. Okay, so we got an expert witness. Pretty much so, yeah. All right, here we go. Well, I wouldn't say expert, but. No, but he's experienced. Depending okay. on the gun. Certainly more than I am. Right? The condition of the gun, the age of the gun, there's a lot of factors in there. It's when like you, a man. When you cock the gun, when you pull back that... It's like a man, so far. The slightest twitch of the finger can release and shoot the gun. So so in my head, you pull back the trigger, you do that with your thumb. You got your, you're holding the, the, the gun. The trigger is... The trigger's here. Here. You pull back the, the hammer, hammer. With, your, with your thumb, okay? And it clicks into place, okay? Now, what does it take to... Aside from pulling the trigger, what else could set that back forward and release? It if it got be, jostled, could, could the hammer... Move forward. It could be a, a, a faulty um, lock on it. It could be a the trigger pin could be faulty or. But it he pulled the trigger. Sorry, he pulled the trigger. Okay, so I don't care what he says. He pulled the trigger. He pulled the trigger and it killed the cinematographer. Yeah, the first cinematographer, like the, the now the let's girl. let's walk back here a little bit to the production and what they were doing before this scene was being filmed. Now, supposedly there were concerns reported to Baldwin about safety conditions on the set. On the set, right? There were supposedly misfires with other guns on the set. There as were well. misfires, but they there was also reports of crew members putting live ammunition in the guns and going target shooting okay on breaks because they was out there in the middle of a new mexico desert, desert. Mm, right so they could so shoot when the gun handler armorer armorer whatever the hell they called her armorer this girl who's never had experience handling handguns gave out the guns she never checked to see if they were loaded but as an actor me as an actor i would have checked well you're a nosy fuck I'm a nosy fuck. But I, I also I mean, know more trusting, that I... when I'm shooting a blank, that can also kill someone. So I'm you not going to aim. It could kill a mood like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to aim it at anyone. Now, Alec Baldwin is saying it wasn't aimed. It went off accidentally or whatever. And ricocheted. And ricocheted. And I don't know the deal. I This is... I know. We're, all we read are the press statements. We don't yeah. know. He's being arrested because it's so big. Because, I mean, other people have gotten shot on set before. Look at Brandon Lee. Oh, my God. John Eric Hexum. 
Exactly. Accidents happen. That broke my heart. I think that was the first time I ever, like, my heart was ever broken. Yeah. Yeah, that was so sad. He was a very handsome young actor. I forget what TV show he was he in. He was beautiful. He was beautiful looking. And he was on set playing with the gun, with the aimed gun. it at his head, thinking it was blanks and or whatever. That was a blank. It was, was a blank, blank. And the blank still caused his death. Now, I mean, I I was a gun handler for Assassins, as you know, because yep. you were in it. Yep, I was in that production. Never once did I let anyone touch a gun after I loaded them. Okay. I loaded them. They went to the actor on stage. Because not all the guns were loaded for that show. No, Only one or two actors one or two needed actors loaded out of guns. For, for two reasons. One, they didn't need to be seen shooting. One's actually let off by my head. One, one <laughs> actor was not handling it safely. He was They were getting too close to people's faces. He yeah. actually burnt one of the, the kids. Yeah. And I would not... And I would not let him. I would not let him fire the gun. So I fired the gun off stage to mimic the gunshot. Okay. I was always off stage, right off stage. And you don't think that was done here? No. So their safety protocols were little to none. The armorer had armorer. no experience. <laughs> And her boss just said, yeah, just give them the fucking guns. I don't know. Well, the armorer is the boss of the, the guns. The armorer is the boss, but he did not give out the guns. She. She did, who is the gun handler or whatever his assistant is called yeah. on set. No, I think the armorer was a woman. <laughs> the young girl is yeah. in her 20s. The armorer. But she has no Ty, experience. Patrick, Patrick, ha. What? Wake him up. The, this this girl, the, my point is, Tommy, this girl has no experience handling weapons of any kind. I don't think that's true. I heard otherwise. Had no experience. That's what I read. She had no experience okay. handling weapons. I heard I heard different things. She was training under this person who I heard have she been, had done more than one movie. She might have been maybe I don't know if she was in charge as an armor. Well, as the armorer. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well no, we hear the court testimony. Well well as we'll a find producer, out they, did, as did a they cart him off or did they give him a date to show up? Alec Baldwin. No, they only filed the charging do- documents this past Tuesday. So he wasn't he's not incarcerated. Yeah, nothing like that. He's being indicted. Because two weeks ago, they only announced they were going to charge him. Today, two day, yesterday, they filed the charging documents. Now, whether they go to formally arrest him now, I don't know what the procedure is. How do you not the, know that? The, the problem I I'm see... I'm not a criminal lawyer, that's yeah. why. He's an insurance litigator. If oh. Alec hit her with a car, that would be a different story. He would know the answers like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Put him in a cab. He's got you right there. Right, right, That's right. who he deals with. <laughs> I know constitutional law and negligence law. <laughs> and that's where we come into to play here. Is, <coughs> is Alec, should he be charged with... Was he negligent as an actor? Manslaughter? Was he or, negligent as a producer? You exactly. Know? And is it just negligence or is it the actual murder? Or I, I guess it should. it's not murder because it's not premeditated. Manslaughter. Second degree, second degree. Second degree manslaughter. <laughs> yes. As they're trying to charge him with. Yes, he was handling the gun. I think level of the un- law, this with, is... with the understanding that it was a cold gun. But well, that's the argument he's As a be. producer, he's also responsible for the safety of all the the members of the team. Uh, that's right. Right, 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 right. And also responsible for the people that he hired. For the people that he hired 
to handle the guns. Right. So the same way he's responsible for the people he hires to play the he parts. He should be held. Res- I think he should be held responsible as a producer. Maybe not incarcerated for you know manslaughter, but he should be you know held accountable for well, any producer who has a, a, a well, fatal accident or even an accident on set. I agree. Should be held responsible. It's a workplace accident. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He did but not mean to shoot that But the producer is responsible for. Yeah, no, I agree. Of all those people. No, I totally, I totally agree. All of them. We'll have to stay tuned on that one. And on that note, we're gonna move on <laughs> to our next segment. All right, I'm going back in to watch Ben. Get out of here! Get out of here before the bombs come. <laughs> and thank you for your input. You got it. <laughs> it's now time for the weekend fascism, which I'm just about ready to call the week in Florida. <laughs> That's where most of my stories come from, but not all of them. The first one's an actually an update from last week. There's an Ohio one, is it? or a Utah one? No, it's an Ohio story. Yeah, Ohio. we'll be we'll be getting to that. But first, we got these two stories. One's an update from last week. We had talked about how um, Governor DeSantis uh, has rejected this African American Studies Advanced Placement right, right, uh, right, program. Right, right, right. Well, the College Board that's responsible for administering this program because right. it's being used in sixty districts, like I guess across the country. Right. They've now released the curriculum and they down played some of the components of it that had drawn criticism from DeSantis and other conservatives. You sound suspicious. It says now that topics including Black Lives Matter, slavery reparations, and queer life are not part of the AP exam. Okay. Instead, they'll be included on a sample list that the school systems can choose for student projects. Okay, so those three things yeah. would used to be part of the curriculum. Will now be downplayed we're and you gonna, can do them as a side project. We're not going to teach them, but they're there. Yeah, they won't be on the exam. So what does that leave? Uh, well, everything else, obviously, but it's like, why did you need to leave these off? Well, you know what. what well, I know. It's because they're acquiescing to the conservative fascists. It's like, how can you not talk about queer black life, which we're going to be getting into more of later in the show? I, I, I... You know, how, how do you not talk point. about Black Lives Matter and where that stemmed from, you know? I, I don't understand. It's called current events. You talk about current events when you're in school. Uh, I agree. This is an AP Black History exam. How much is Black Lives Matter part of Black History? I'm sure it's a part of it. I'm sure it is, you know, a, it is absolutely part of it. But it's they're starting be probably from what 1619 onward. You know, the queer history. There's they're never going to allow it. There's that's going to have to be a college level thing that people pay to see. It's like the curtain in the back of the fucking video. Well, say I mean AP classes were are basically considered like almost college level courses to begin with. It doesn't matter where who's funding it if it's the public school district or if we control the curriculum of the school district by money we're going to tell you that you can't teach this at to these kids they're going to have to learn it by themselves or they're going to have to go to college and come across it or they're going to have to or they may never learn it at all they may never learn it at all that's the shame of it uh on the other hand are you throwing out the baby with the bathwater if you let them learn about the everything else part what do you mean if you, if, what is the rest of the curriculum? Well, it probably covers the whole black experience in America from their arrival as slaves up to the current time. So all, all of it 
and we're gonna we're not gonna whitewash it. We're gonna call it what it is. We're gonna call it slavery. We're gonna point, we're gonna name names and and we're gonna tell we're gonna talk all about Jim Crow and we're gonna talk about the systemization of how that happened. Yeah, no, 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 no. That that's a whole different. That's critical race theory. That's a whole different area of study. Okay, whole different area of study. Okay, I'm trying to backtrack and figure out what word it was that set off the uh, the the machine fire from your face. I wait, 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 wait. like what? Like what? What did I say? That I don't remember. I don't remember now either. So we'll move on to our next story then, if you'd like. That was easy. I would like this one, of course. Again, comes from Florida. Right. On Tuesday, Governor Ron DeSantis announced plans to. Hold funding to state colleges uh, for programs on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory. Yep. They will no longer get funding at all. These are the colleges now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they take state funds and they teach these things, they're not getting the state funds no more. Okay? Unreal. Yeah. They just... And he's... But I got to tell you, Patrick, he's saying it. This is what we're doing. If you're going to do this, you're not getting the money. And they're not trying to pussyfoot, and they're not hiding around, and he's, uh, he's running for president. Well, of course he is, but he's going to lose on these cultural issues, you big time. Hope. You know, big time. He's only going to win with the fucking conservatives. You better. They're hope. one third of the country. So what else you got? Well, we now move on to our final story for this week in fascism, and this is from Upper Sandusky, Ohio. I love that Sandusky. Well, are you familiar with a messaging app called Telegram? No. Well, it seems these two people who call themselves the Saxons have been operating a uh, a dissident homeschool group on the messaging app called the Dissident Homeschool Network, and to channel on this app. The, the channel includes lesson plans that promote the reading of the text of Adolf Hitler, call for Jewish people to be removed from public classrooms, and refer to Martin Luther King Jr. as someone who, quote, ethnically cleansed whites out of urban areas and precipitated the anti-white regime, close quote. The anti-white regime? Yes. What anti-white regime? <laughs> the anti-white like regime, regime that we have uh, today. Are we are we using the word regime correctly? That's what there's that's, what, that's the word they used. And um an anti-white regime. Yes. In the United States. That's the word they're saying that that, that we have an anti-white regime now in control of the United States. My question is at what point do we as a collective, like, humanity say that that is a ridiculous thing. Of course it's ridiculous. And that you should shut up. Well, you, know, you we, lose credibility when you say shit like that. Well, not total credibility because this channel has... None at all! This ca- channel has over 2,400 members. That's not a lot of people, but it's too many. Well, the, the Mr. and Mrs. Saxon, they've been identified. Their names are Katja and Logan. Katja and Logan Lawrence. Okay. Katja is a recently naturalized U.S. citizen. From where? From the Holland, or the Netherlands. Okay. And she frequently railed against other groups of immigrants on social media. They are so enamored of Nazi... Yes, the darker one, as a group. I'm sure. They are so enamored of Nazism that Katja uploaded audio of her kids performing Nazi salutes on her Telegram channel. Okay. And she baked a cake to celebrate Hitler's birthday. Good for her. She also talked about how they owned a German shepherd named Blondie, which was also the name of Hitler's dog. Right, right, right. You gotta pay homage. It was launched in the fall of 2021, and it's explicitly labeled as a means for neo-Nazi parents to indoctrinate their kids by keeping them away from public school. 
Lessons, lesson plans include teaching cursive by having students write out famous quotes from Hitler and American neo-Nazi George Lincoln Rockwell, building math classes around racist manipulations of urban crime statistics, uh, and praising uh, Confederate General Robert E. Lee as a grand role model for young white men. Okay. In, uh, in uh, chats, and members of the group have disparaged the Indiana Jones movies as Jewish revenge porn. Wow. <laughs> Ironically... This group also shares memes from the right-wing social media channel Libs of TikTok, which is owned by an Orthodox Jew. <laughs> Libs of TikTok. Well, needless to say, this has now come to the attention of the State Board of Education for Ohio, and they said they are now investigating the group. The problem is, under Ohio law, parents are permitted to choose the curriculum and course of study and only have to write to their district once a year confirming that they're continuing to teach their child. These districts have little to no control over what the parents can and cannot teach. Well, the problem is... As a society, do we want people to know certain things? Do we want them to know days of the week, months of the year, their times tables? Dude, like, I, I'm all about the Nazis raising their hands and saying, I'm a Nazi. I'm okay with that. I think we collect them into a group. We got, what, 2,400 right there? Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but do you have yeah, a their 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 ideology there. But do you, do, you, do you have an issue with them using education as a means of indoctrinating children? I have grooming children, if you will, I into have, Nazis. I have the same reservations about parochial schools, private schools. And to a large degree, public schools. Why public schools? Because we stood there with our hands over our heart and pledged allegiance to a flag. All schools did that. That's exactly right. That's indoctrination. Sorry. That's exactly what that is. That's how it happens. That's how you do it. That's textbook. So, yeah, it's indoctrination. And what they choose to indoctrinate their kids with uh, isn't up to me, except when it crosses some sort of legal line. So, you know, what you're going to do over there in your trailer is okay with me. So do you think that these people should be permitted to indoctrinate their children into Nazism? I think you have to legislate a way for them to not be legally allowed to do that. Ah. So long as you allow them to homeschool and you allow them once a year to check up and say, yeah, he's learning shit. He don't have to pass any state tests. He don't have to pass a how do you behave when you're, you know, he don't have to, he don't have to pass any kind of social, he don't have to be part of society if you... That's, and if you allow that to happen by law, they ain't breaking any law. They're disgusting. Yes, they are disgusting. But there's nothing we can do about that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, we'll see. They got to write a law. Well, that's Ohio's problem right now. That's my advice. There ought to be a law. Mm, I like that. That's a good topic. There ought to be a law. There ought to be a law. Of course, if I had to, I could think of like two. What what's, would they be? What's next? I think it should be a law to have sunglasses in a car. Okay. At certain times of day, at certain times of year, in certain places, the sun becomes a blinding element. Uh, it becomes so a, you think it should be mandatory to mandatory. have sunglasses, sunglasses in a car? Sunglasses should be used in a car as equipment of driving. Isn't that a bit intrusive? It might be, but I don't want your, I don't want your radiator sitting on my lap. Hey, that, sounds, so, that sounds like some commie socialist crap fine. to me. That's okay. I just think it's <laughs> a uh, public safety issue. <laughs> what's your other What's your other law? I don't know. I got involved in this one. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll remember. Well, we'll move on to our next segment. Oh, yeah. Don't wait for me to remember. Just keep going. Well, that's right. It could take hours before you remember. Daisy. <laughs> Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. I don't watch anything. What happened on RuPaul this week? She she won, and then she lost, and then she went home, and then, oh, my God. But So, yeah, all of that happened. 
Okay. <laughs> On schedule. The way it was supposed to. <coughs> but that's like the, like I may have watched a a a what do I want to say serial killer episode. Oh, there was some series that I was watching. There's some podcast that I'm trying desperately to get involved with, but is putting me to sleep night after night after night. So I'm glad it's not this one. No, <laughs> no, no, this one I got to listen to in the daytime. Usually when I'm driving. Uh, um, but when I get as far as fascism, yes, that sound effect is bad when you're on the road. I am sure it you is. You hear that sound effect. That's bad. <laughs> so anything else besides RuPaul that you watched uh, that sticks in your I head? I watched the funeral today. The fu- oh, of Tyree Nichols. The Tyree Nichols funeral. When I say I watched it, it was on while I was doing my thing. Okay. Which never-endingly is Steno. Yes. So Well, I watched plenty this past week. Which was? Well, I'll start with, there's a limited series on Netflix called, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, spelled V-O-I-R. So I'm not sure if it's Voyeur or Voir, but that's the name of the series. Voir? I would go with Voir. Voir? Uh, yeah, I guess Voir. I don't know. How do you say Voir dire? It's V-O-I-R-D-I-R-E. How do you pronounce it? Voir dire. So yeah, so maybe it's Voir. Okay, we'll go with Voir. Voir. Voir dire. <laughs> Weird but anyway, the show, it's only like six episodes. I like that. And they're basically like essays on either specific films or on film genres. Okay, I'm not interested. It's actually really good. I was really surprised how, how entertaining they were. Okay. They, they aren't like, you know, academic or anything like that. They're okay. actually informative and entertaining. You oh, know? That's, that's, that interests me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's something you would like. Okay. They aren't long episodes. Maybe about half an hour to 45 minutes, maybe at the most. Voir. Voir. It's fancy to say. Voir. Yes, Voir. I'm watching Voir. I'm watching Voir. Have you seen the latest episode of Voir? Did you believe what happened on Voir? <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first thing we watched. We then watched this movie on Netflix. Did you watch all, all of it? We watched the whole thing already. The six, the six episodes. Yes, all six episodes. Uh, will there be a season two? I hope so. So then we watched this movie on Amazon Prime Video called Vengeance. Oh. This guy named B.J. Novak, I kept looking at him, he reminded me of Seth Meyers, and then I realized he was in the film, um, uh, was it Ungrateful Bastards, the uh, Quentin Tarantino film. No. Uh, the Something Bastards, I can't think of it now. But it was that movie. Inglorious. Inglorious Bastards, thank you, Ungrateful. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards, he was a member of the troupe. He's, he wrote, directed, and starred in the film. A member of the troupe? Yes. It sounds like you're the, in the ensemble of Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> but anyway, it's a movie about this podcaster who has very casual relationships. And he's contacted by this girl's brother to report that this girl is dead. What does casual relationships mean? He sleeps around? Yeah. He's not married, he sleeps around. Right. All right. And this one girl's family calls him to let him know that this one girl, that this, their their daughter, their sister, whatever, died. And they thought that their relationship was a lot more serious than it really was. Who thought? The family. The family thought that the relationship between the guy and the dead sister was more important than it is. Yes. This is this is dear Reverend Hansen. Go ahead. So he ends up going to the funeral. Yeah, yeah. And the, the brother tells him that he thinks that the girl was murdered, the sister was murdered. So he, he was originally going to do a story on... People believing in conspiracies. But then he starts looking into it and finds there's more to the story than what we were first led to believe. There is, in fact, a conspiracy. See, this is why conspiracy theories fascinate, because there's the element of the possible. Right. And the possible uh, can quickly become 
canon. It could become like dictate. Right. It, it, that is. Well, it's not that intrigue, that kind of, it's not that kind of a thing in this movie. It's not like that in this movie. Okay. It's like you, you find out she was indeed murdered. And um, he did it. Well, no, you find out who did it. He starts to track down and stuff. He the, he the husband? No, the podcaster uh, who went to the funeral. He starts investigating it. Okay, so it's like serials. Yeah, well, so it's, it's a movie. It's only a movie. It's one whole movie. Not an episode, not a series, just a movie. But there's a really good performance in it by, of all people, Ashton Kutcher. I like Ashton. He plays this record producer in this movie, and he has, he's one or two monologues, and he's really fucking good in this role. Really, really. He he made the movie for me. Just watching him alone was worth watching the movie. The movie's okay. Don't poo-poo Ashton by saying his name as an apology. <laughs> Okay. I'm I, not. I like Ashton. Me too. But you, and you don't really see him on a lot. So when I saw him in this, no, I was like, "Oh true. my god, he's in this movie." That's true. And he was really good in this. Really, really enjoyed his performance. I hope that the for Ashton, he makes like a <clears throat> middle aged comeback. Like, give me forty year old Ashton. I mean, he appeared in one episode of that '90s show. I didn't see it. Oh, okay, you, know, you didn't see that. It's obvious. Uh, like well, I can't you didn't see it. Everyone in America seen it, uh, except me. I gotta get my. I don't, I don't. Get your shit together, man. Whatever. Keep going. What's next? Next, we saw a Spanish film on Netflix called The Snow Girl, or La Chica de Nieve. Oh, your accent is getting better and better. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. It's Gracias, it's, senor. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> as merely offensive. <laughs> oh, I feel so much better. You got a way to go before you get past getting your ass kicked and... <laughs> insulting abuela. But anyway, it's a Spanish film, dubbed in the English, of course, and it's all about this young woman. It covers a nine-year period of time, about this five-year-old girl who's kidnapped. And the story takes place in three different time periods. The original year in 2010 when she's kidnapped. Okay. Then six years later in 2016. So she's still alive. And then three years later in 2019. Ah, she meets the parents. And it's all about how they track down eventually the girl and everything. But anyway, the girl who plays as journalist, you find out she was a victim of a rape. Oh. And so, and she's still dealing with the trauma from that while she's investigating this story. Okay. And it's, it's really good. Her performance is, I don't, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was very good in it, I thought. Stephen oh, was not crazy I'm about sure it. she'd be glad to know that you liked her performance, but forgot her name. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Excuse me. That's uh, <laughs> quite a compliment. But it's a decent enough series. I Twist ending, I thought. What's kind of twist ending. Twister? No, it's called The Snow Girl. Avenger? The Snow Girl? Or La Chica de Nieve. Oh, the Spanish one. Okay. Yes. So we now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Yes, it's time for Stupid People. No shortage of that. Yeah, we got, well, I have three, three uh, nominees for this one. Are we nominating? Two yeah. of them are school districts. All right. Those are constant source of entertainment. The first one is the Duval County School District in Florida, of course. Okay. And, of course, they're... You're going to get a bad reputation for picking on Florida. I, that's their problem, not mine. But, anyway, the school district, uh, the chief academic officer, Paula Renfro, appeared on this video that went out to the teachers. You know those old Zembic, vi- you know, commercials with everyone smiling and happy yeah, yeah, and yeah, the soft fun music? Outside, not sneaking. 
sneezing? Well, this is, well, without the, all the activity, but all the soft music. Okay. And images of students in the background and everything. I'm happy. And she's talking very gently and nicely and applauding the teachers for the job they're doing. They and that they're not alone. They are. And they discuss, like, a, she basically gives a general outline of how to remove books and how to get books approved. Right, 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 right. And I was watching this thing as, like, who are you convincing with this bullshit? I was well, like, clearly this is, not you. No. I saw this, I was like, no teachers, because it's like, fuck you, you're, this is like some friendly-ass propaganda video putting a smiley face on how to censor books in school. That's what they're doing in Florida. It's just like, come on. That, that's what they're doing. I know. but It's been enough to doing that, but then when you see that they put out a video like that. Yeah, they got to teach And I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna post it on our bonus material so people can see it for themselves. Oh, I'm sure they'll be shocked. This nice blonde lady, and she's talking so nice, and uh, yes. oh, you teachers are doing a wonderful job that's of censoring sh- books. And keep up the good work. It sounds like you don't understand how propaganda has ever worked. Uh, I, I, I understand completely how marketing works. Or it still disgusts me. It's blatant and it's gross. Yeah, it really is. What's next? Uh, next is the Cardinal Locals Schools District in oh, they, Ohio. Yeah, this was the show. They were preparing to put on the, its spring musical, and this year they were doing the spelling 25th Bee. annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. But it was canceled by the school board. The superintendent, Jack Cunningham, said, the school di- district has decided that this musical production will not be Spelling Bee. Its dialogue and song lyrics contain vulgarity and are therefore not suitable for our preteen and teenage students in an educational setting. And they labeled it PG-13. It seemed that there were complaints not only about the language of the show, but about the appearance of Jesus in the show. Right. And the fact that two of the characters were gay parents. Right. Now, according to the... They quoted the assistant director of the show, and she said that they made changes to the dialogue. A song was already edited for the production prior to it being stopped. Right, right. And there was going to be a special middle school student viewing, which they did for prior productions, in which they would issue permission forms to those students to see the production. So their parents got to say, it's okay for you to go see this. Exactly. Okay. But uh, evidently, that was not enough. So they canceled the show. They canceled the show. How 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 far before opening? Uh, well, they can't put on another show because they said that it would, they would need another 10 to 17 weeks of rehearsal time. Oh, bitch, what I would give for 17 weeks. And they already spent $1,700 on this production. Well, uh, Spelling Bee. Yep. All right, so... Now, so I've never seen the, uh, the show. Have you? Yes. What's the story with Jesus' appearance in the show? Um... Each kid has their own story to tell, and they're usually told in flashbacks, or uh, they're not usually told in flashbacks, but they're frequently, the, the, the gay fathers appear uh, as a memory, because they're obviously not there. It's, it's these nerdy kids, and they're competing for the spelling bee, and they each have their own tick and their own software glitch, Okay, and it's about, and it's, there are adults, the assistant principal, and the girl who almost, well, or who did, I don't know, now she's a woman, and she's moderating the spelling bee, she's reading, and it's very clever how they call people out of the audience they, they pull people out of the audience ahead of time okay yeah and uh the, those are going to be the other spells who are going to get cut right and it, it's william finn which is music that i don't always enjoy but this this is very cute the characters i'll tell you there's a song called my unfortunate erection <laughs> maybe okay. that's the song they cut that's happened well no there's a new one my my there's a they wrote a new song where they 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 have the producers 
or the lights, whatever it is, have yeah. written a new song and it's called My Unfortunate Distraction. Okay. And it doesn't change the meaning of it at all, but it's kind of lame that you, okay, so My Unfortunate Direction. He he sees the, the sister of one of his competitors and gets hard and gets distracted and misspells the word. Okay. Okay. One of the kids, one of the girls has two gay dads. Right. Okay, and so they make an appearance uh, in her story, in her history. And then Jesus, I think, I, I remember Jesus happening because when I saw it in Circle in the Square, I sat in the seat, like, he he blocked my view of the show. His ass blocked my view of the rest of the show. Yeah. Like, he was right in front of me. Uh, but I, th- I, I think they were all just praying for Jesus, and they're, 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 they're praying to get through it, and Jesus is like, don't worry about it, I'm taking care of the football game, or whatever it is. It's okay. a reference to, he's probably got better things to do, whatever it is. But he's not presented like he's being mocked or anything like oh, that, no, right? No, no, no. no he's, he's presented as being... He's just a, a, a comic character. He's comic, he's maybe a little sarcastic he's he's maybe a little insulting to the people who think that he is actually caring about things like the spelling bee in the football game. is it any worse than the portrayal of jesus in reefer madness i don't know that reference oh you never seen reefer madness the no. musical no oh that's a good show you got to see that okay. sometime i never have i look forward but to yeah it. jesus makes an appearance in that really list. really good jesus makes a couple of appearances and, and and this is not a disrespectful one but this is a modern one this is okay. jesus talking to people saying all right so he's not saying anything sacrilegious blasphemous like Nothing not being like mocked that. in any way. No, no, not being mocked at all. And knowing schools, you expect that they're going to remove any vulgar language from any show. The producers know what they you have. Know? They have the alternate script written. Exactly. Now it's called the high school edition. I mean, most times when this show is done, in most productions, are done by adult theaters, and the students are played by adults or young adults. They're not played by actual children. Well, they're these are children. These are these right are, in this production. These are school children. Well, no, these are high school kids playing like early middle school kids. Right? Yeah, yeah, because that's also very yeah. I yeah. in school. Yeah, I'm the sorry. Kid, uh, so when adults play it, it's entirely different. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, it's a. I I enjoyed the show. I, it the set is. I, I think the gymnasium of the school. There's a table where the adults sit okay. and they read and they have pre-written remarks to say about members of the audience. Like I remember when I was there, they called the woman's name and she came out and they're introducing and as they introduce her, they say, this is Elizabeth what's a fuck and suddenly she's going to go shopping for clothes uh, with color in them and she's got all black and white or she whatever it is so they they have to say about the people who okay it's very funny it's it is very funny so um, in conclusion would you say that the school district overreacted i would okay me too i would when i think of the shows that i've seen and done in school i mean any school I, I don't like Grease. Grease is about as offensive a, a show as they come. I, I, it, as far as message goes, it's fun music. There's a story I saw a meme about uh, when he was in like uh, third or fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. They were allowed to bring a song in and play it for the for the class. Okay, and his friend brought in. Grease Lightning, and they all thought it was fucking wonderful. They all thought it was this coolest, coolest song about this hot car. Yeah. 
And it was all about this car. And the teacher listened to the song, and she was horrified. And she took the song and the kids and brought them to the principal or the dean or whoever it was. And of course, it was a dirty song. So the kid would get, the kids got in trouble for listening to and enjoying the dirty song. And it was banned because it was this, now now it's it is filthy and it is about what it's about, which yeah. is not really the car. The car is clearly a euphemism for a pussy. So uh, it was all about how. The kid, like what I took from it, it was that the kid had no idea what you knew, had no reference point yeah. for it being anything than about a hot car. Yeah, exactly. And because you freaked out, it's like when a toddler falls. If you get and laugh and giggle, and then you know, but they don't have to cry and scream because you freak out, right? Like you know what I mean? Uh, that's what this was to me. It's just ridiculous. If the audience, if the adults would just shut up and let the kids, like, I don't know, you got to put some things in. F- in, in front of them that I, 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 I know I, I just I don't understand they're it. not going to get everything you have to understand what their frame of reference is yeah and it's not the same as yours and it's like do you really think that you're protecting kids in this age of the internet and mobile phones come on you're not protecting your kids by not showing them spelling bee you're not letting them participate in this music right. for God's sake right because this kid gets this teenage kid gets an unfortunate erection which uh, and like the, I said they they wrote another song in place of it right so and, and it's something that half the population is going to get understand it but they right probably away. cut it in the school production then, you know they, they probably I, removed all the vulgar language a little bit but obviously that wasn't enough there wasn't much vulgar language in that show to begin with it wasn't about I can't Imagine it would be the characters weren't those weren't the characters. These were pre-adolescent kids. Yeah, nerds, right? Nerds and nerds, Aye. nerds. So that's our second nominee for yeah. stupid people. We're going to end this segment by saying to the Duval County School District and the Cardinal Local School District in Ohio, we say, "Stupid! You're so stupid!" Julie Andrews, take us away. Whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. I think you could teach a course based on that clip, like a a college-level vocal course for, for vocalists. On that clip. We'll send it to a local college and see what they think of the A whole idea. course. Do you want to teach it? Three credits. <laughs> I'll teach it. What, three credits, half a year? Whatever it is. A semester, a, sem- a whole semester you got to take to go about this clip and how it pro- uh, how it demonstrates vocal per- uh, perfection. Okay. You work on that. Measure for measure. We'll go <laughs> Let me know what colleges you contact. But today for five phase, in honor of Black History Month, you were asked to name your five favorite Deceased queer African American. Oh, they have to be queer. Yes, and dead. Yes. Oh my God, I didn't realize. (coughs) That's what I wrote to you. Don't you read? Oh my God. My God, you never pay attention to me. I didn't realize they had to be queer. Yes. That makes it so much harder. Well, of course. And takes away all of mine. Should I give you my first one? Um, I want to say the. Is it James Baldwin? It's not James Baldwin. The writer from the Harlem in the day, back in the James day. James Baldwin. James Baldwin. Yes, yeah. he's on my list as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I he's, was, number, he's number one on my list. I would say him. Yep, me too. Okay. We'll both agree on that one. Now it's back to me. Yes, now it's okay. back to you. Some dead gay 
African American. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Stonewall. Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson. Okay, she's on my list as well. Marsha, fuck you. <laughs> Actually, is she on my list? No, she's not on my list. She I have another be. woman on my uh, list. So, 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 who's so your, that's all yours. Who's your second one? My second one is Little Richard. Okay, that's fair. Who was really a mess about his sexuality all during his life. Little Richard's a good one. Yeah, but yeah, he was just larger-than-life character. He really was. Yeah, and he also, like the guy from before, like, did he ever come out, Little Richard? I think at one point he may have, like, implicitly, but then he became religious. He was was all over the place on the issue. Okay. He really was. Sometimes he was pro-gay, sometimes he was anti-gay. Yeah, he was just, he was a mess. Okay. (laughs) But I had to put him on there. All right. You know? Who's number three on your list? Little Richard. (laughs) Now, I know there's some kind of problem with whether or not he supported gays or didn't support gays, and he sort of went back and forth throughout his life. Um, you can't pick Little Richard. I can't pick Little Richard? No, because I already picked Little Richard. Well, you pick, you copied my, what's her name? The first one. Your first one. No, my first one. It was James Baldwin. James Baldwin, yeah, you copied And then mine. number two for me was Little Richard, and now you're copying No, one number Little two Richard. was, what was your number two? Little Richard. No, I had a number two. <laughs> yeah, you're having a number two, all right. Who's my number two? <laughs> I can't believe that. And now I'm like, between the Latinx and the stress of trying to, now I got to readjust because they have to be queer. You had Marsha P. Johnson. I had Marsha P. Johnson. Yes. Right. That bitch, uh, for real though. Okay. So who's your number three? Josephine Baker. Does she count? I don't know. Was she gay or was she bi? I think she did a whole bunch of everything. Yeah, let's Josephine see. Baker. Let's see if we can find some information on her. Uh, yeah, Josephine Baker. She was bisexual. Okay, so she counts. Yep, she counts. Right. Great singer. Well, she knew how to. She knew how to sell it. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Learned it in France. Regardless of what you, well, she uh, exercised it in France. That's yeah, the only place she felt she could work was she worked there comfortably. Yes, she did. Uh, yeah, there's just this a whole lot of story there that I think if you take Josephine out of it, like. Her her personality out of it and and the the overall theme of her not being able to work in America because she was black but being able to find the work and the respect in Europe but take Josephine out of it but take that sort of thing yeah that happened to a person let it be a student let it be a housewife let it be somebody less impressive than the girl in the banana dress. Okay. I love me some Josephine. Next on my list, number three, is Bayard Rustin. Uh, I don't know. He's the man responsible for organizing the March on Washington. Okay, go on, Bayard. Yes, he did. But he was gay, and the other black leaders try to keep him in the background of the civil rights movement. Yeah, we, yeah we can't have that up front. Yep, but he was quite a figure, Bayard They're having Rustin. their own battle down the block. Make a left. Yeah, right. Uh I I I am I am stumped right now. You stumped. really are. I'm absolutely stumped. Shame on you. Um I'm t- trying to think of band leaders and songwriters and and dancers and Alvin Ailey was he gay? Alvin Ailey was gay. Okay, I'm going I was settling with Alvin. Oh my god. And he was on my other list. Oh, was he? Yes, he was. <laughs> Alvin Ailey. Good choice, okay. Alvin Ailey. I'm proud of that one. You should be. Great dancer, great choreographer. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was. Number four on my list, I'm not even sure if you've heard of her, Is her name is Barbara Jordan. Don't know her. She was the first black congresswoman from Texas. Oh, She dear. came of age during the end of the Watergate era. Okay. And she was uh, quite a vocal congresswoman during her time. Okay. Like Maxine? Yep. Yeah, like Maxine. Is Maxine dead? 
No, Maxine Waters is still alive, but I don't. I don't think Barbara Jordan is anymore. But yeah, she was a lesbian. She a lesbian yep. senator, congressman, congresswoman, congresswoman, a black lesbian congresswoman from Texas. Yep, I don't think she was out at the time. But you couldn't write that shit. I can't even say it. So who's number five for number you? Number five for me. I've been waiting for this one. I I I, I am stumped. You're stumped. I'm stumped. Well, I have one. The one and only Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis wasn't gay. Oh, yes, he was. You take that back. Are you kidding me? When he used to perform at the Westbury Music Fair, afterwards he'd go to some of the uh, gay bars here on Long Island. Yeah, he was gay. He came out, like, much later in life. Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis. Yeah. Did he think chances are? He did chances are. Wow. Yep. Talk about smooth and romantical. <laughs> yes, he was. Like velvet, that voice. Yes, a beautiful voice. Beautiful voice. Yep. So that was my five. Wow. Good for you. you and you're four. You got to five. Yes, I did. Good for you. Didn't take much work for me. No. Well, you know, how much time did you spend in front of the computer researching it? I didn't have to. Okay. You had them at the ready. Yep. Okay. I believe you. Well, except maybe Barbara Jordan. Okay. I had to look her up. I wasn't sure about Oh, her. oh, oh. Who's the woman who sang outside the uh, uh, the black opera singer who sang outside on the... They had to get special permission. I forget her name. They wouldn't let her sing in the theater. So they, I don't think she was a lesbian. Oh, she had to be a lesbian, huh? Yeah. Well, we're going to give you something else now to ponder, because it's now time for our next segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gaming gripe of the week. Unexpected hair growth. (laughs) That's your gripe this week. Yeah. Sometimes I get a hair out of my ears so long that... Like, I could braid it. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. The hair that grows on your back by your shoulder blades. Yes. Yeah, 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 I don't like that. Uh, the hairy-ass neck that you get. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, this is a problem that you found throughout your life, or has it occurred as you've gotten old? No, it's, old. Not, it's getting worse as I'm getting old. Yes. That's what usually happens. Yes. I don't like that. No. It's rude. <laughs> It's unnecessary. It yes, serves it no point. No, yes, it does. Uh, no, it no, doesn't. There's no uh, evolutional argument for it. Evolutionary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. That unexpected old people hair growth from unexpected, unwanted places. All those nooks and crannies. No, yeah. Reach. Who the fuck knew there was a hair follicle there? <laughs> All of a sudden, you got to yell surprise? Uh, for fuck's sake. No. That's my gripe. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking. My gripe this week is inattentive drivers. Oh, so easy to go to drivers. Well, today, I'm out walking Abigail, and I walk her, I'm here in Farmingdale, and I walk her down Staple Street, and I walk her all the way down to, I guess, was that, 109, and then we come back. And we're coming back, and we're at the intersection a block away from home. It's the intersection of Staples and Secatog. It's a four-way intersection, and there are four stop signs. And we get there, there's a car to the front of me, and to the right of me, and to the rear of me. They all go, I have Abigail waiting, and there's another car coming to my left, but I'm like, it's well, it's got to stop sign. And we step one step into the street, and this car goes past the stop sign. Oh, dear. Yeah. You're supposed to stop at stop signs. Yeah. And he looks at me, and then he keeps driving. Well, at least you do what you and want. And I was like, you stupid fuck. 
Yeah. Because there was nothing, there weren't any parked cars obstructing his view or anything like that. It wasn't like I suddenly jumped out into the street. Right, right, Thank right. God when he went past the stop sign, we weren't in front of the, the vehicle, you know? Yeah, of course not. But he saw you and knew where you were, so he felt, well, I could get past this before he gets there. I mean, look at him. I was pissed. I was so pissed off. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, people are stupid. Yeah. So, I mean... I, I mean, I'm usually careful. Whenever I see a car in the intersection, I let the car go before I start crossing the street without it. Yeah, me too. Because I don't, I can't trust anybody. And today, obviously, was proof of that. Well, it was one idiot who ruined your day. Yep. A nice day out walking with Abigail. Yeah, it was. It was a cold day, but it was a nice day. It's cold as fuck today. <laughs> It was cold. I yes, saw snow on the ground. I know there was. It was snow in the morning. Yeah. Even in the afternoon when I was walking the dog, there was like only on the north side of the building. Yeah, that's like on the north side of our house. We still had snow patches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. weird. So that was my gripe of the week. Okay. So we now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. Oh, it's always like taking a big poop. <laughs> what a nice way to describe it. Just go. <laughs> Just remember, you can find all of our episodes plus bonus material on the topics we discuss at our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. You can also follow us on our daily postings on Facebook and Twitter. And I want to thank my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast, for providing the cookies that Tommy brought us and for his input on our um, look into my brief segment tonight. And I can't think of anything else. Any plans for this weekend, Tommy? Uh, I have a, I have some of the weekend off. There's only a show on Saturday. It's Share Impersonator. Ah, uh, yes. Usually a dark week for the theater, so. Yeah, I think we're just going to be staying in, hiding from the cold. Yeah, Because yeah. they're saying, like, sub-zero temperatures on Saturday. I hate that. Right? I hate, I hate that. Well, the worst part is having... To bring the dog out to go visit Mother Nature. Fuck it, you have a fenced-in yard. I know. Open the door, <laughs> and when the bitch barks, let her back in. I feel bad she has to go out there in the cold. Of course she has to go out there in the cold. She's the dog. I know. You have the luxury of being able to open the door and letting her go. Yes. And I the, actually have. And the luxury of peeing inside. I, right. <laughs> I have to put the shoes on, put the coat on, put the sweater on, make sure I got the vaping. Then I got the, I got to deal with the dog putting his collar on. I got to take him outside. I got to walk. You have nothing to complain about. No, I guess not. Thank so, you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Put an extra tenner in the collection basket. And on that note, we'll say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. <laughs>